You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. How are we doing, everybody? My name is Darren. I am our student pastor. I get to run all of our student stuff. And uh, real quick, uh, can we just say... Uh, like give a shout of praise to all of our high school students and all of this stuff that happened. Also, shout out to Kingsway for uh, the opportunity to even make this kind of thing happen. It's, it blows my mind. So uh, today, before we get into all of our content, we're going to treat this like a student ministry Sunday. If you were to come in and be a part of what we do on a, on a Sunday morning, hint, we need you. Let's go. All right. If you were to come in and do what we do, we would do something to kind of get you warmed up a little bit, get the endorphins running, get you smiling a little bit, and then we go through our house rules. So the first thing is we're going to play a game, right? It's real simple. You don't have to get up. All I need you to do is clap. Everybody got it? Not yet. There's always one. All right. When my hands cross... Right here. Everybody clap, right? So we're going to try it. Just one clap, not a thousand claps. This is an applause. Ready? Here we go. And it doesn't change. All right, got it. As we get older, here we go. Ready? You're getting it. You're getting it. Let's try it again. It's all right. If the person next to you is clapping, look at them and be like, what is wrong? What? You're clearly a foot away. I know, right? Things look further, whatever. Here, ready? Here we go. We'll get there, right? We're gonna do it again. We're gonna make this one happen. If I go slow motion, listen how it happens. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, I can't do this, it's too much pressure, right? All right, last time, we're gonna get it going just for fun, ready? Here we go. There's always one. All right, so we would get everybody going. Just get smiling, right? It's nice to be here. It's a good day. Hopefully, whether you're in a good place in your life right now or whether you're struggling through stuff, you can get a smile while you're here and uh, enjoy your time while you're with us. The second thing that we actually do in our student ministry is we've created these things called house rules. These are rules that are not enforced by me. They're enforced by our actual student ministry. And the idea is that we want to create a culture that allows people to feel welcome and invited while they are with us. So we're going to toss the house rules up on the screen and we're going to go to read them together. Okay. So the first one, as we walk through this is that nobody sits. There we go. See, you got it. You understand that? Here's what that means. All the introverts in the room are about to hate me. But if there is somebody around you that is here and they don't have someone sitting next to them, in, in the middle school and high school world, we say it's on you to make them feel welcome. So if you have the opportunity, you can get up and move and go sit next to somebody who's sitting by themselves. Awesome, it's a cool thing, right? So number one, nobody sits alone. I love that people are moving and actually making it a reality. It's so cool. Thank you guys for doing that. Number two, Everyone is Everybody's welcome and valued. We recognize that in this room, in this space, not everybody believes the same thing, right? It's okay that you and I, we might differ on a few things. We might be a little bit different in what we believe, or you might be in this room and you're still figuring out this whole Jesus thing. That's okay. 
You are welcomed and you are valued in this space. The fact that you even made it to this room today is a testimony that you're trying to make things happen. You're trying to learn, you're trying to make it work. So you are welcome, you are valued. Thank you everyone for being here this morning. Number three, love. Love is what we do, right? If you read any part of the book of John, that's what we're reading in today, we're in chapter 12 today, but if you go a couple of chapters later, John 15, he said, all men, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You might be the only version of Jesus that somebody ever meets, and you have an obligation to recognize that they They don't know what you believe or what you value or how you act or how you live your life. All they know is how you interact with them. So show them love, teach them love. Number four, Jesus Jesus is who we crave. Jesus is what we're all about. If you are here, we're going to talk about Jesus, right? Our mission of our church is to become more like Jesus. If that's the case, and there is something interesting, something different about this man, Jesus, then we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna work through it. And last but not least, number five, expanding his kingdom is what we pursue. You read in Matthew chapter five, you'll find that all men will see your good deeds and they will praise your father in heaven. That means that we have an obligation to show those deeds. We have an obligation to expand the kingdom. And you'll recognize that once Jesus is an integrated part of your life, it won't stay with you. Once you crave Jesus, it won't stay concealed within you. It has to get out. When Jesus changes your life like he changed Lazarus' life today, you'll find that it changes the circumstances of everyone else around him too. So I hope that you guys understand in our student ministry, it's not just show up and play a couple of games and, and, and babysitting, it's not that. We are intentional with how we treat, how we interact, and we wanted to invite you guys into that process, all right? So we could sit here all day long, but I wanna get actually into the conversation, because if not, I'm gonna waste all my time, and we wouldn't have fully learned anything crazy. So. As we get started today, I wanna welcome our students. They're hanging out with us over here. Uh, I also wanted to say, that's fine, you can clap, that's good. Nothing greater in life than clap for yourself. It's always good. I also wanna recognize the, the parents and the grandparents and the friends of in the room who, when you look at your student, sometimes you're like, oh. And other times you look at your student, you're like, they get it. And then the 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, just kidding. They don't get it. <laughs> they almost had it. It's a work in progress, right? It's a work in progress. I'm excited about today because this gives you a little insight to how we function, what we do, the intentionality that we bring, but on top of that, to recognize just how amazing it is to see Jesus in the life of our youth. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? All right, so uh, let me get my notes in order real quick, and then we're gonna get rolling. First and foremost, Matt's been walking us through this story, Death to Life. It's talking about Lazarus, and Lazarus is a very unique conversation because as we talk about him, he's not like this super well-known figure. He is now, but at the time, like he wasn't known all over the place. He was just kind of a brother to Mary and Martha. There's a lot going on, but in this story, there's a lot of, 
what is happening? That's what it is, it's confusion. Because the disciples are trying to figure out what's going on. Mary and Martha are ticked off at Jesus because he could do something, but he's not doing something. He could raise Lazarus back to life, or he could be there to help him in his sickness, but he wasn't there. He died. In fact, scripture tells us in in chapter 11 that he'd been dead for four days before anything actually truly happened. That's like dead, dead. Anyway, in in the midst of the story too, Jesus is speaking in some random code. It's not really. He's just talking about falling asleep. And the disciples are like, oh, that's good. When you're sick, you should sleep. And Jesus is like, is this what I'm gonna have to deal with for the next little while? I thought I picked the right people. No, that's not what he did. Jesus would explain and recognize, no, 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 no. This is, this is like asleep asleep. Like he, he's gone. He's passed. And they would speak in more, there was confusion and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus finally raises Lazarus from the dead. But what's interesting to me is that John talks about this like, like this is normal. I'm wondering if he's almost desensitized to all the things that he's seen Jesus do. And because of that, somebody being raised from the dead, John's just like, oh, and then he came back to life. Ta-da. Like, pause. If you're reading this story and you're in chapter 11 of John and you get to verse 44, it says this. The dead man came out His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave cloth and let him go. If you and I are just somehow randomly hanging out in cemeteries, because that's a thing, and we're we're friends and we're doing it. If if dead dude raises to life, has got linen cloth on and starts walking this direction, I can promise you I'm not going to talk about it like this. What I'm gonna do is push you as hard as possible, as close to that, that whatever's going on, and I'm gonna run away going, no! That's how that's gonna go. I'm not gonna pause and be like, hmm, is that what a zombie is? I'm not gonna pause and be like, that's different. I'm literally going to shove you and book it. John acts like it's a simple thing that Jesus is saying, oh, you know, get the, the, get the clothes, get the, the, get the linen wrappings from, from, from the, his burial off of him and just let him go. Also, let him go where? Where are you going? What, are you, what, are you, what is happening right now? I, I, I have to pause for two seconds and recognize the awkward of the scenario, right? It's not a simple situation. This is something that you and I would be like, nope, not happening. But in this moment, John recognizes it. He talks about it almost in a way like it's normal. What would it be like to be so close to Jesus that the craziest things that you see and experience don't shake you? I'm still not there yet. When I see God move in ways that are unexpected, I'm always like, that was unexpected. That was interesting. I love the fact that we get an understanding of what it's like to be close to Jesus. But that's not even the context of our message today. You get to watch Jesus in an interesting conversation. But did anybody catch what happened? Jesus gave Lazarus new life. He gave him new life. He gave him an opportunity to do things differently to change a little bit. 
He got the opportunity to come back and experience what that's like. In, in essence, Lazarus got a redo button. Like maybe many of us in this room, we wish we could get one of those. Like you just push the button and you get to start fresh and do whatever. I, I love this quote from the book that, that uh, Stephen Smith says in chapter 10 as he starts out. He says, the greatest spiritual question that we can ask ourselves is not, is there life after death? The real question is much deeper. Is there life before death? Are you living the life you always dreamed of? Are you living that passion that was burning inside of you to become someone or something when you were younger? High school students, you guys, or maybe middle school, you can even learn this too. Over the next 10 years or so, you're going to make the biggest decisions in your life. From now, you're working towards those. You will make those decisions, and then once you make those decisions, for the most part, you kind of live the rest of those decisions out. So if you make bad decisions, you're gonna struggle. You make good decisions, and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a great experience. But for all of us in this room, we can go back to high school. Maybe for you, that was not a good time. I'm not trying to drum up bad memories. I'm just trying to drum up that, that idea of like, what did you wanna be? What did you wanna do? How are you going to shape the world? How are you going to change things? And what if I told you that just as Jesus gave Lazarus new life, he gives you new life too? And that change is possible. Transformation is possible. It might look different than all of us in this room, but we've got to recognize that Jesus is in the, 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 the life business. He has been throughout the entire understanding of who he is. You go back and read, you'll find, <coughs> excuse me, you'll go, you'll go read like John three sixteen, that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 10, 10, a thief comes to kill, steal, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, life more abundantly. What does abundant life look like? We're gonna talk about it. John chapter 11, you know, Mary and Martha are wrestling with Jesus in this conversation. Like, you could have done something. You could have done something. And Jesus is like, I, I, I am going to do something. And they come back and they're like, you, you're gonna do something, that's fine. We'll see him in the afterlife, but you could have done something now. And Jesus responds back, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Don't doubt me. Don't put me in your control box. Remove me from everything else where you've got everything right here and I'm just off to the side twiddling my thumbs. Let me be in the midst of it. Give me control. Let me show you my power. It's such a beautiful experience to watch God work. And so many of us look at this life and we have an opportunity to realize there's an American dream. I love statistics, by the way. Apparently the, the American dream, the American family is is to graduate, to go off to do something educational, whether that's school or going into work right away, whatnot. And then you get married and you have two and a half children. I don't know where the half comes from, but good luck with that. I'm not saying that that's what Jesus wants for your life. I think many of us have chalked up our life to be an experience based on what we've seen other people live and if they have that, then I want that. And if they have that, and I want that. Can I ask you to shift your focus to seeing people who have been faithful in their relationship with Jesus and look at them and say, they have that, I want that. Let's clap for that. So much of what the world offers 
is already dead. The newest technology. I can't tell you how many ads I've received lately through all of the different things that I'm watching that tells me that I should be focused on weight loss. And I just respond back, I have worked for the last 38 years building this. I have invested a lot of money in this. I'm not changing it. I like it the way it is, okay? The idea that you're a nobody if you don't have blank. That being a good person and having a good heart will get you into heaven. That's a tough one in our society today. When Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the gateway, he's the gatekeeper, we've gotta recognize that that's mildly offensive, but it's also, it's not limited. It's that anyone who believes in me, remember? We've gotta tie them together. It's hard for us today that anything but Jesus can fill the void in your life. It can't and it won't. And there's plenty of proof, but I thought it best uh, to show you what that looks like. We had three of our young men, excuse me, in middle school, head off to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip, which just means that most of y'all in this room need to up your game on going on mission trips. But they went to the DR. In the midst of COVID and everything else that's going on, they drop everything and they go, and they come back, and the overwhelming response from all three of them is very simply this is that they have little to nothing, yet they have everything because they recognize Jesus as their Lord. And how many times we want more and more and more and more. We wanna consume and consume until it consumes you. There is more to life than what we are putting ourselves into or experiencing. Jesus offers that new life And I recognize, and I love this, that in John chapter one, verse four, it says, in him was life. And that life gave light to all mankind. Light. Light in your darkness. That's Jesus. That no matter what darkness you are facing, it cannot, it has not, and it will not overcome the light in your life. Jesus in John 14 is preparing the way. And as he's having a conversation, he's trying to let everybody know that that he's got something that they don't understand and it's gonna take them years to understand it, but that he needs to leave because if he leaves, there's an advocate, there's something greater that God cannot just be present among the people where they were in the close vicinity of what Jesus had, but that God could be present in every person who believes. There's an advocate In Romans chapter eight, verse 11, Paul writes that that spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Lives in you. That's new life power. That's transformational power. And I wish I had time to stand up here and tell you how many times I've been through moments and scenarios and situations where their outcome was little to none, slim chance couldn't happen, Things like stage four cancer and I'm sitting there praying over this person and the next day they come back and they say they're cancer free and I'm going, how? I know how. It's the transformational power of Christ that lives within us. But it is not of my own volition, it is of God. 
And many times, all of us in this room, we struggle to recognize that because we wanna hold so tightly to the control that we have. We have to see and recognize that God has power beyond our understanding to do things, and that brings us right back into the story of Lazarus. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. See, Jesus has brought Lazarus back to life. And so the way that John writes is a very simple process, apparently. But in John chapter 12, we get a breakdown of a little bit of the aftermath of what happens. <coughs> so it starts in John chapter 12, verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. John is always talking about things in the forecoming, like that haven't happened yet or that are coming and we'll talk about that in a second. But this is a moment where he talks about six days before the Passover. We all need to recognize in this moment that that Passover is the Passover where Jesus dies. That's how close we are to Jesus' death. This is not like a, we've got years to go and Jesus is still doing his ministry. We are in the last days of Jesus' life. Six days before Passover, Jesus comes to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, again, that was her gifting. You'll see that happen throughout scripture. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and, and, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And if you are a part of a family, you will recognize that there is always a naysayer. Here we go. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, again, there's John talking about what is to come but hasn't happened yet, who was later to betray him, he objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he actually cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bags, he used, to, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Verse seven, leaving her alone, Jesus replied, or leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. That is a huge statement. The ladies in the room, if you know, you know. Verse eight, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. In verse nine, it says, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, came not only because, and they came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whose he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made a plan 